Those testimonies. Whoa, we could have kept going. We should just call off class and just Waikoloa, just, just find our beach. The guy beach and the girl beach because of the dating deal. Hi right down there. We're just reading our Bibles. Amen. Amen. We are too. Okay, I'm just going to pull this up here. Praise the Lord. So much wildness is happening. You feel like it's kind of a wild end of the week. I want to say, like, sometimes, you know, when you get into, like, freedom stuff, it can get really sad. I don't know. You might be too young for that. But sometimes when you get a little inner healing, before you know it, someone's running out in the bushes screaming, Daddy! You know, just some wild thing. You know, just mad. I've been in, in these tents, and it's just, like, scary. I just want to thank you for not scaring me this week. It's been awesome. It's so uncomfortable when someone runs near the 50 acres just screaming, Daddy, and stuff. And I don't know if it ever heals them when they do that. But it's exciting for them. Definitely creates a lot of emotional excitement for us to watch them do that. <laughs> I was talking to some of the Sugar teams. I said, how's it been going? Great story was one of them was praying for somebody. How come it's always somebody on your team that needs more deliverance than everybody at the event? What is that? Why, what, what is that? Like you go to the event, you're ready to pray for the kids, but then the person next to you starts going, Argh. you're like, what the heck? Did you just growl? It's a full moon out? What are you? Did you read too many Twilight books when you were a kid? Come on. Knock that off. We're supposed to worship God. And then as the night goes on, you know, worship, the hotter worship gets, the more the, the crazy eyes come out. And it's like, I got to stop what I'm doing now and deliver my roommate. Outreaches are wild, aren't they? It's the, it's the person you least expect. You end up setting free. It won't happen on your team. Don't worry. Don't worry. No way. No way. Never happens. <laughs> or afterwards, sometimes, I don't know if you guys ever get hungry after ministry, late night. I like cereal. Any kind of cereal will do. You get that big box of cereal, you're so stoked on the cereal. I like, tonight is the night. Icy cold milk, you're just ready to go. And then there's only one guy. It's like a horror movie. There's only one guy on the cereal. It happens to me all the time, and I'm by him. And all of a sudden, he starts to manifest on the aisle. I don't know if it's the anointing on my life. And he just turns to me like, I hate you. I'm like, we don't even know each other. But now that you hate me, I have to deliver you. So, in, you know, he starts saying, hey, you know, maybe you hate me because I'm a born-again Christian. I'm crazy. Is something in your life that you could use a little bit less of? Yes. And they start crying. It's crazy. The places God's going to take you to set people free. Get ready. You'll be getting your, you'll be in Subway trying to get your little deli sandwich somewhere, thinking it's all about you, and it won't be. Before you know it, the guy in front of you is growling at you, needing deliverance. Just telling you ahead of time so you don't get mad. Okay? It's wild out there. People need a lot of freedom. Have you seen the Catholic Church articles lately? They're just saying that so many Catholic people are asking for deliverance, like all over the world. 
the priests are getting really busy working on them. But man, that's a lot of work, you know, when you got to get all that uh, different artifacts and stuff and use them and giant cross and stuff like that. Here comes a fire and fragrance kid like, I don't know what to do really, but uh, in the name of Jesus, let's get some joy going. Um, I, I don't know, kind of the opposite of what's happening right now. It seems like you're a little bit burly and getting wild, lifting people up in the air, trying to hurt people. Let's get some joyful repentance. You know, and then the, the, the kid's going to go, what, what? And then suddenly they're just rocked and transformed in a minute. And you're gonna be, people are going to say, how did you do that? Like, fire and fragrance, week three. Week three. Week three. We just went week three on them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I, and we need to get to our subject right now. But I do want to say this as a precautionary thing, because I did see it happen on the campus yesterday. And it was hard, and I, I did have to move in a spirit of correction um, to this. And it was, of course, I'm not serious right now. This is funny. This is a setup. Um, but, yes, it was very intense. It was very upsetting and shocking and all the same things at the same time. There was a guy giving fake original designs to girls as a pickup tool. And it was hard to watch because it was just, he kept saying, I don't know, but I think you just, I just keep hearing that you're just designed by God to love a man. And then he began to describe his hair. <laughs> so weird. It's so weird. Only on a YWAM base in one day would someone twist the doctrine like that and just come up with it. Just, it's horrible. There's a lot of sin in the camp. We took care of it. The leaders were on it. Okay, so we have a little fun today here, final day. We're going to get free of our, anyone that has a Jezebel spirit, so that's great. No. <laughs> that's such an old church thing, isn't it? You show up at church. The church I grew up in, they would mention that word once in a while, and every woman would be like, what? We haven't killed prophets or anything. Maybe we don't like guys that are weird, but, I mean, does it mean that? Isn't it funny how getting free has got, got, used to be so weird? And it needs to become so normal and not filled with those weird words, you know, like you have the spirit of Ahab. Really? <laughs> I just really do. Gosh, that's crazy. How'd he get in there? And it just, it's just so wild, you know, that Ahab could jump in there because um, I thought he died in the Old Testament, you know, and he's gone. And so we want to keep freedom super simple, right? They were taking down strongholds, ways of thinking. And we don't need to attribute crazy names to them like the Prince of Persia or anything like that. Um, be fun to visit, find out the Prince of Persia one day. Just like, how many times did you get bound on earth? Freaking a million, man. It sucked down there. <laughs> I never had one day off. Freaking Christians. <laughs> Everywhere you go, right? You get in those crazy circles, little march around the building. The oil comes out, the flag comes out. We got him now. <laughs> Just think about Princess Pele on the volcano. Gosh, she had an hour off. Somebody's always saying, I know you're in charge of that bog. We bind you. <laughs> I was never there. All right, so I want to just spend, we're going to do a little speed freedom here uh, like we did yesterday and just really go after a couple quick little cleanup fun moments, okay? The first one we want to do is just really knock in the face condemnation. Let's do it. 
And uh, we're going to do the four hours. And you're actually going to, today we're going to go to advanced freedom. Oh, wow. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is incredible already. Yes. Okay. So what you're going to do is, you're guy with guy, girl with girl, you're going to pray for your bro or your sister this time instead of just doing the group prayer. And you're going to put your hands on them and say, I want you to pray the four hours and get free of condemnation. And you're their witness. And then it goes back to them. I just want you to practice praying with someone so that when you go on outreach, you'll be ready to pray over people right there. Okay? So we're going to practice getting free of some basic peanut butter and jelly type items. But we're, these are just kind of easy ones. But I want you to get your dance moves down, your judo moves down, so that when you see somebody on your outreach, you're like, man, this person has a ton of, of stuff going on. You'll know how to set them free through the four R's, okay? So condemnation is not in Salvation Encounter. It's, um, it's just up here in my computer. Hey, that's great. How does that help us? It doesn't. Um, but the Bible says, and you guys know, I'm just doing a really basic one. There is no condemnation, the Bible says, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore no condemnation. You know this verse. There's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. Okay, there's none of it. And when, when we are living in condemnation, right, it's a mess because we're continually beating ourselves up over past sin. Let me give you a couple things that apply. When we're in condemnation, you live in a comparison world. Somebody's always doing better than you spiritually. You're doing worse than them. And then that little fever of condemnation comes. So whenever you go into comparison, typically the fever of condemnation is going to get you. I want you to think about that. Nobody wants a cold. Do you want a sore throat? No. I hate sore throats. Vicks lozenges barely work for me. Do they work for you? Is it really that fun? No. I want you to think of sore throats like condemnation. Don't get a sore throat, and you get it when you compare. As soon as you start comparing with someone else, and they're like, oh, man, look at them. They Look at their testimony. Someone comes up here and says, I just was out there in the 50 yards. I found like 20 people, a hidden people group. <laughs> no one knew. I led them all to Christ. They're in a Bible study. They worship last night. I learned their language. I translated the Bible for them. And I did all that before dinner. And you're like, all I did was drive, drive a John Deere tractor and pick up, like, freaking leaves yesterday. <laughs> I suck. And that, that, there you go. That's how it works. When you compare yourself to others spiritually, the little fever is about ready to jump you, okay? Well, we not, let's not do that, okay? What about when we think negatively about ourselves regularly? That's a sign that condemnation is in our life. If we have a self-view that's negative, that means we need to attack condemnation straight up. Is condemnation an inside issue or is it an outside issue? It's an outside issue. This is the spirit of the air, and that's why Paul's saying, don't give into it. It's not with you. It's part of the world system. So that's where you want to get your rebuke hot. If you rebuke condemnation at least five times hot, It'll get weaker and weaker and weaker. It'll become less and less a part of your life. you got to punch it. If you'll punch condemnation at least 10 days in a row, man, you'll be like 20 days in. You're like, I literally never think about it anymore. It's just kind of like a bad habit. It's like a pick-your-nose kind of guy that just kind of plays with it, flicks it over someone there. You're like, what? That is weird. We should do that in third grade. Why here at Fire and Fragrance? But he's still doing it. Condemnation is that kind of a bad habit. Turn the person next to you and say, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Man, geez. Geez, I saw you do it. 
That's how you do it. All right. Um, let me give you a few more that are part of condemnation in the mindset. Is perfectionist, and I'm sure none of you are perfectionists. It's always that other person in that other tent. But it is important to know that when you have a standard for yourself that's higher than God's, you can never reach your standard, and you always live with a low-grade fever of failure and condemnation. Can I encourage you? you got to lower the bar down to the grace level. Because when you're always reaching higher, right? Like, let's just say right now for me, um, what, 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 what could it be? You know, I read my Bible so many hours a day. I pray, you know, unceasingly. I worship around the clock to, to uh, CDs. I really can't find anything I'm missing in. No, I'm just kidding. There's just like all of us have these unrealistic standards, right? You meet someone from the prayer movement. What do they tell you? I just spend four hours burning for prayer. If you set that as your standard and aren't proud of the 10 minutes you prayed, you're done. Because you're three hours and 50 minutes short, and you stink. And you got to lower your standard. Some people refuse to lower their standard. They're like, nope. Have you ever seen a girl that has, like, intense, has to have her hair at perfection level? And you're like, dude, your hair looks great. It looks amazing. It's like, nope, it's just not primped right. I don't even know if that's a word. But it's just not primped right. What is a primp? I don't know. But it's not right. And they can never allow, right? Have you ever attended a wedding that was the best wedding ever? And then you just say, the bride's leaving. You're like, see you later. So amazing. And they're like, oh, I wish the food was better. There's always something better when you have perfection. Can I get a witness? Does anyone here have a little low-grade fever of perfectionism? Oh, I see. I see. Okay. I hope that we can, and when you have that, just know condemnation is going to be knocking on your door because every day you won't be able to do it. I, I, if you've ever gone to a weight room, you're usually going to find someone that's way stronger than you. It's easy for me. When I go into the weight room, everybody in there is way stronger than me. Everyone. Everyone. Small children are. Everyone. And I just walk in there, you know, and it's just like, there he is. He needs help. Every mu muscle group needs help. And everyone feels sorry for me. And, like, three-year-olds are walking by, you know, just like, ha, 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 look at you. And, and so if I live in, in that perfection, and then, of course, everyone's wearing incredible weightlifting suits from guys and girls. They're just, like, so tight. It's just like, ah, how can you put that on? I mean, how many people helped you today? That's got to cut off circulation. I'm going in there. I literally am wearing, like, big jeans and, and a massive hoodie, you know. I look like a gangster, just like. I don't really want you to see, like, where my body's really at. I just want to kind of lift right now because I'm kind of so cool. I don't need the clothes. But it is a scary place. And if you have perfection, right, over your body in that environment, you feel bad all day. So it is in Christianity. You, got, you cannot have perfection or you won't be able to embrace grace, and then you're going to live condemned. Can I get a witness? We're going to rip out condemnation, okay? All right. Now, one more bonus round on, on condemnation is a lot of times when you're critical of others, it's because you don't like yourself. You knew that. You knew that. You know, you guys are so smart. You read it on Google. You looked it up. No, I don't know if you did, but it's there. And it's, it's a 101 of life. When you find someone that's highly critical, it's not that they just love being critical. That's their self-language about themselves. And so they're just saying what they're saying to themselves, to others. And that's part of condemnation. When you're under condemnation, you feel like garbage. 
And that's why you want to get free of it. Paul says, get free of that condemnation so you can feel the joy of the Lord's pleasure over you. Come on, fire fragrance. The joy of the Lord's pleasure over you, whether it was the most amazing prayer set of your life or you snooze 20 minutes of it. Have you ever taken a nap in a prayer room? I have. I've done it in the Kansas City prayer room. I just posted up and tucked in. I'm like, I can't do it anymore. Misty, take over. Take the burden for Israel and go all the way. I'm tucking in. I'm on. I'm awake, awake, oh sleeper ain't working on me. I'm a sleeper right now. I'm asleep at the wheel, and it feels good. And I wake up from my nap and just say, amen, hallelujah, just jump right back in. In other words, I'm not going to hell because I failed for 20 minutes in a prayer room. And we get these really weird things, right? Some of you are behind in your quiet time readings, keep up with a quarter, usually by three-week panic hits. And you're like, I'm 47 chapters behind, whatever. What are you going to do? Just make yourself a shirt that has just condemnation mastermind on it because I'm behind. You can't. You're going to get time to catch up. And if not, you'll have a big plane ride and you can read there. Unless you're attacked by someone on the plane. I don't know. The world is changing. But you got to get out of this. You got to get out of this stuff. Come on, fire fragrance. You, you can't be living in this business. You can't be living in the business. All right. So, so then you get condemnation over really what is it? Your performance. Your performance isn't enough. How many of you have lost your temper, had a little ventilation moment, been in a bad mood, someone snored at night, you hated it? That's normal growth in Christ. Don't get out of bed and go, I can't believe I'm not where I need to be. <sighs> Freaking Mother Teresa would just sleep right through the night, and she would praise God. The nine roommates are in the same room, stinking up the room and snoring all night. She would say, God, thank you for putting me here. Right? Don't do it. Just accept your growth in Christ and grow. You're going to be stronger tomorrow than today. we got to have a no condemnation zone, the tent, the no condo zone. Okay, no condo zone. <laughs> put away that, put away that deal. And so I know that um, we can have, and so you're going to get with your bro or your sister, and I want you to wage war on condemnation. I want you, this kind of is more like throw a fit for ours. Now, what I mean by throwing a fit is like, more like kind of, you. some of you have, a, anyone have a strong mom? I've got a German mom. And when she once in a while would throw a fit, it would be kind of like she would look at me and she'd say, like, enough, enough of this. And I'm like, whatever I was just doing, it's enough of this. And we were changing right then, you know. And it was changing. My brother and I looked at it like, whoa, yes, mom, yes. Even when we're old, we just had Christmas with her. She looked at us like, enough of that. We're like, we just turned into like 11-year-olds like, yes, mom. Yes, mom. You know, we love you, mom. Mom, we love you. I want you to throw a fit on condemnation where you're like your mom. Like, enough of this. I'm not listening to this anymore. You are a freaking ugly, nasty, gnarly lie. And I'm going to kick your buns out of my life. I'm done with being a perfectionist. I'm done with beating myself up. I'm done with being a self-critic, nitpicking myself to death at night. I want to have joy while I'm in Kona. I want to actually experience joy, condemnation for R and you. So say, I receive them. After you throw your fit, then say, I repent of believing the lie of condemnation. Get it in there, that first R. Second R, I receive forgiveness. Third R, get your rebuke on. 
I was with a young woman who dealt with condemnation all the time, and, I, and she did a little kind of what I call just a little baby prayer. It was awesome. It was poetic. It was cool. But she just was like, condemnation, please don't bother me, please. I was like, you don't talk to the enemy like in pleases and stuff. And I said, I can't be around your girl. Girls, 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 Mr. Girls. I go, Christy's coming. Christy came in. She goes, I want to hear you roar. Like, get wild. And so this 19-year-old was in our living room and just went bananas, just like bananas. So I thought the cops were coming. She just was like, she went way further than we were thinking. I mean, soon she was running around all our furniture, just leaping from it, leaping from it, like, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Condemnation, I rebuke you. So definitely was an overtime win, but we want you to go that level. I rebuke you, condemnation. You're done. Get off my throat. Get off my mind. Get off my future. Condemnation is done. Now, when you're done, receive the, that verse. There is no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ. Begin to declare, I am to live in joy. I am to live at peace. I am to live with self-acceptance. I am to live knowing the Father's love. If you're having a Father's love blockage, condemnation needs to go. Mr. Kondo doesn't like the Father's love moment. And you, want, you don't want to live up and be told about the Father's love every fourth lecture, right? It gets kind of old. Like another kind of grandpa-type figure comes in. Hi, kids. I, I represent Papa's love. <laughs> you want to go, no, we already know Papa's love. Let's learn more stuff. You, got, you get what I'm saying? Is let's get this down and knock this out. Okay, you got ten minutes, maybe eight minutes, maybe seven, maybe nine. I don't know. I'd be led by the Spirit. But you have the time right now to go guy with guy. Nobody lollygagging around. Don't go for the rock. Walk away. Stay in the tent. And let's make the loudest noise possible. Throw the craziest fit possible. For the sake of our lives, our future marriages, and our kids, the condemnation is busted and done. Okay, go for it. For our condemnation, partnered up. Let's go nuts. Let's go bananas. It's time for bananas. Let's go, bananas. Find your person. All right, let's go further. That was ridiculous. So good. You're crushing it. You're getting this so, it's just like who you are. It's so easy to get free. So easy to get free. How much time we got? We got about another maybe hour, I think. Is that right? Yep. We're crushing these subjects. Okay, one of the things that I thought might be tasty is if we just spent a few minutes on insecurity. Freedom from insecurity. Can we do that? Just a little just a little touch-up. Turn to the person next to you and say, we just need a slight touch-up. A slight touch-up. Okay. All right, this is going to be super easy for you, and it's going to make a ton of sense, just like condemnation did. You're going to just go, now I, I get this for the rest of my life. Okay, really in simplicity, when we're functioning in insecurity, one of the big things that's part of that is we have an unhealthy self-consciousness. In other words, we're thinking about ourselves more than we need to versus thinking about who Jesus is in us. That's the simple math equation. Did you get it? Like when I get insecure, I'm thinking about Brian Brent, what Brian Brent can do, and I'm like, dang. What's, what's going to happen now? Like if I need finances for missions or I need a better message or I need to send to work or I need people to 
do something that I can't believe they could. You know, if I'm thinking about me, I get anxiety and insecure. Can I really lead that? Can I really do that? But if I'm thinking about Jesus in me, I'm like, no, there is a real possibility this is going to work. So insecurity is switching the source of your strength from yourself to Jesus. And when you're in the source of you, it, it, it tends to have that disruption of joy or that joy doesn't stay hot. Okay, and when we're insecure, one of the things that happens is, as I'm thinking about myself, it's naturally natural for me to think about what others are thinking about me. True? When I'm insecure, I'm like, oh, man, can I do it? And then the next sentence out of my mouth is, do they think I can do it? And so those go together. And once I've gone down that long line, um, I basically am stuck in that whole role. Now, have you ever met someone... Number three, that's insecure, but they have a mask of confidence on, and they're always kind of making it like, what? I'm not insecure. I'm like, they're almost like hyper-confident, or they're super spiritual. Have you ever met someone who's insecure that's super spiritual? they like, I just, I just had a heavenly encounter. I just, just 10 minutes ago, earthly encounter, five minutes ago, some type of an encounter. And they're like, why do you need to tell us about encounters literally all day long. Have you ever been around the, I mean, that's a ridiculous example, but someone who just so, they, they just can't relate to other people because their mask is always beaming out. A lot of times that's because they're insecure. They don't believe they would just be loved for who they are. They believe their love is linked to their super spiritual state. Can, can I get a witness? Does that make sense? Was that too, too crazy? All right, so what we're doing when we're insecure, right, is it doesn't, it doesn't matter what we've done, performed, we accept ourselves because Jesus accepted ourselves. So our stock doesn't go up and down based upon how we're doing in our performance again, but it stays secure. How many of you struggle with insecurity at least one day in your life? Yeah, me too, okay? So it's very easy to jump in there. And what, what we do sometimes when insecure, what are some of the common masks that you've seen over the last five years people put on that are actually really insecure. I've seen the overconfidence mask. You know, they always come across like they've got everything together, nothing could ever go wrong. But we know that's not true for anyone. Everybody's got challenges and problems. What's another mask sometimes people present that covers their insecurity? Anger? Anger, okay, that can be a mask, certainly. Um, have you ever talked to ask someone like, how are you doing? And they never, ever have anything wrong. And so you're trying to have a small group, the Fire and Fragrance small group. You're at the Banyan Tree. You're going around like, how are things going? And literally 13 weeks for 13 weeks. I loved everything that happened this week. I loved everyone. I loved every food they gave me. And I just love everything. I just had the greatest, incredibilest, best week of my life. You're like, wow, that's incredible. And the next person's like, I don't know, I just really was struggling with just some crazy dudes that I'm rooming with. And, you know, th that's more normal because you're just explaining what's going on in your life. But the person sometimes who's insecure can never, ever have a problem. Have you ever met that problem or been that, been that person that has the temptation to put a mask on? Come on, Fire and Fragrance. Let's take off all the masks. Let's truly be ourselves this quarter. Then we can help each other. If we have masks on, then we can't help each other. And those masks are rooted 
in insecurity a lot of times. How many of you have ever had a role in your life and your confidence came in your role? Yeah, right? And that, that's not true. We don't want to be that way in Fire and Fragrance because it's a waste of energy, waste of, of our time here. So really, all of us are missionaries. All of us are servants. We're all followers of Christ. That's who we are. And nobody's more important than another person. We're just rolling after Jesus together. So when you have insecurity a lot of times, um, it can be a, a person can kind of start feeling like they can't do something. Have you ever met someone that has that I can't syndrome? Where when you tell them, I wonder if you could do this. No, I could never do that. I wonder if you could do this. No, I could never do that. We want to wage war and say, no, in Jesus' name, whatever Jesus says I can do, I can do. I don't need to be insecure another moment. Jesus can make me and help me make it through this. We're almost fun, done with this. We're going to unleash you to pray in this. But one of the factors for me when I really just crushed this in my, air, in my life was God was trying to call me to greater responsibility, but I was resisting it in my own way because I thought I could never do it. Can I personalize this for you? When, when, when Lou Engel, one of my close buddies, and I don't mean ministry buddies, we're just like family buddies, is when he turned over this, and you know the story, when he turned over the send or the call to the send, and then suddenly to many of our surprises, he wanted us to lead it and he just kind of wanted to be a dad to it, that suddenly meant that the $1.8 million that was needed for the stadium needed to be raised by Andy and I and our friends. Now, the most money I've ever raised, I, I, this would shock you, is much less than $1.8 million. I know, you're looking up, you're like, he does it all the time. No, uh, I don't even know people that have that kind of money. And so I was sitting here going, oh, man, I've, I've been cheering for stadiums my whole life. I'm one of those stadium guys. I've always been like, let's watch another Reinhard Bonnke video. Let's watch a Billy Graham video. But now suddenly the pipers come to my door or whatever that, the, the bills come to my door. It's I got to do something. How many of you have ever had that moment? And that's what my moment was. And, man, my knees started to buckle. But I went for the mask move. That was my first move. It was like, oh, went hyper-spiritual. Because I wrote the culture of faith. That's one of my, that's in the culture shift book. So I've written on the culture of courage, right? So I'm the author of culture of courage, culture of faith. So what am I going to say? Like, with God, 1.8 million is like one cent. I didn't say it quite that extreme, but I was like, I don't know. I just don't feel any anxiety about it. When it's God's will, he pays the bills. And, and I, know, <laughs> I know that sounds good, but inside... If I believe that, why wasn't I sleeping at night? You know, just laying in my bed at night. It's God's will. He'll pay the bills. God's will. He'll pay the bills. God will pay the bills. God will pay the bills. God will pay the bills. And it's just like nothing's working. I'm like 1,001 sheep, 1,002 sheep, opening my Bible, you know, reading everything I can. Nothing's working. But I wasn't honest with my friends and saying, my knees are buckling. What is going to happen? I'm having all kinds of doubts. Would you help me? Does that make sense? And so insecurity, I, it wasn't bad that I had it. I just needed to tell someone because then it made me kind of very self-conscious. I was always like, man, maybe I shouldn't be on the team. But as soon as I said I'm worried about this, I think I stink as a fundraiser. I don't think I'm good at this at all. Suddenly my buddies were like, we stink too. And we're like, let's just hug right now. 
we stink, and we need $1.8 million. God, have mercy. You know, someone started laying on the ground on our backs like we were just like, and it became like a friendship bonding moment versus a religious, superficial, like, how is this ever going to happen? Does that make sense to you? And I find that whatever the challenge of the year is, it's good. I remember when I, I went to, uh, uh, I had to go see my lung doctor a few months ago, and I, I've been flying back and forth from Orlando, and I knew something had jacked up in my lungs worse than ever. And I remember going to him, and he did this x-ray and all the tests, and he's like, you have jacked up your lungs bad, dude. Your trips to Orlando are killing you. You're not going to, what have you been doing? And I'm like, I was like, oh, no. You know, I was just so upset. I went out to my Land Cruiser, sat in there in the parking lot, and I just began to cry. It's like, God, man, what's going to happen to my health? And immediately, I went opposite spirit. I started calling all my friends while I was crying. And I go, I'm cratered in a parking lot. I just had the worst appointment. I feel nothing but fear. Would you pray for me? And that's how you break out of that insecurity is you're honest, you're transparent, you're vulnerable. You're not projecting like, I am Superman of faith, you know, Mr. Freedom Manual. Just like, never, ever do I struggle with pride because I have the Freedom Manual. Never. It's just a joke. It's a joke. We all have challenges in our lives, right? And we have things that go on. And insecurity is such a bummer because it doesn't let us explain to others, if we're putting up that mask, how we're really doing. If you're struggling reading the Bible this quarter, because when you've come out of an environment where you've not read your Bible and suddenly you have to read a bunch of it, do you know your brain gets rewired and it's a wild battle? It is. And why not tell somebody, tell your small group leader, like, sometimes I'm reading and I just check out. And then I check back in. Pray for me. Pray for me. Total vulnerability is the ticket, Fire and Fragrance. Not, not like that. How many of you have ever been around someone that gives a glowing ministry report and your ministry report is like zip? You know, I remember last quarter, the circuit writers were reading. We have a group me. We're all on it. And Andy's on it. And there came a group me from Fire and Fragrance. We just saw 40,000 people come to Christ in the Philippines. Now, the whole circuit rider tour had seen 1,300 college kids come to Christ. And I saw across our whole Cigarette family, such defeat fell on them. Like, I, I saw it. Like, but what we did is we had a conversation about it. Said, how are you guys feeling? Well, we obviously feel like when more people are saved, we'd have more value. And so we're all feeling defeated today because we have the wrong values. Fire and Fragrance didn't do anything wrong. We just have the wrong value. And... And it was so awesome. We were honest about how we were feeling. Does that make sense? We were able to deal with it and go, oh, my gosh, it doesn't matter if one saved or 40,000 as long as simple obedience changes history. And we all just got wild and said we want to get every – because the temptation was like, we don't want to get those ministry reports. They make us feel bad. Like, no, we need to keep getting them. That's our family. We've got to change because it's changing. What if someone calls like 100,000 people got saved? And, w- and no one got saved on my outreach. I just want to be the person like, I'm stoked on that. For real, I'm a little bummed that zero got saved on mine. Keep praying for me or send me someone from your team. Does this make sense? Don't live in that lack of transparency. It's a ton of work. 
I've been just going crazy on transparency and vulnerability, calling my friends, telling them where I'm at, telling them where my health's at, telling them what I'm feeling, and letting them know I need your prayers, I need your help. Let's take it up. And I didn't want to do that because I think insecurity would be what would they really think of me if I wasn't Superman 24-7 in their minds. What a joke. That's just pride. And pride's a junk thing. How many of us would love to get rid of a little of that insecurity, tear off our mask routine, and just go bananas on insecurity? Okay, let's take some strong actions then. What we do is the root of insecurity is what we've said. It's rooted in rejection. It's rooted in comparing ourselves to others, making other people more significant in our minds. And then this is the last thing. When you're insignificant or feeling those emotions of insecurity, how many of us know it's hard to pay others a compliment? If you're insecure, you cannot tell your buddy, you are such an amazing leader because all you're feeling is that self-consciousness of how you're failing. And we want to get out of that mode and speak words of life and blessing to others. Otherwise, we're always going to be waiting for people to encourage us the rest of our life and not be those that go on the offense and start encouraging others not living in insecurity. How many of you have met people that have a hard time paying compliments because they're stuck in, like, themselves? You know, something great happens. Someone bakes a great cake. They're not able to go, man, I love that cake. They're just able to go, like, say almost something either negative about the cake, refuse to have the cake, or just walk away silently and have the cake. In life, let's be the fire and fragrance forever that detonates people with encouragement because we're not trapped in the, in the cycle of insecurity. The insecurity. But we're living in the security of Christ. Are you guys ready to go five minutes on this with a partner and just literally go, I'm going to speak words of life. I'm going to speak words of encouragement. I'm not going to live with a mask. If you have a mask, say it by name and just, like, laugh about it. I'm taking this mask off. Maybe you're the woman that has your mask is. I have it all together. Just say, I don't have it all together. I'm going to throw this mask on the ground right now. Would you help me stomp on it? If you're a guy, you do not need to be the toughest man in the universe. You don't need to do this upper deal here. I don't want to show you mine. But uh, just, you know, just always the CrossFit report. Just came back from CrossFit. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, 4 a.m. shift. I had to wait outside the door until they opened it. I don't get it. At home, we worked out at 2 a.m. The only thing I don't like about the CrossFit box is it's not big enough for the things I like to do. They don't crush boulders with their teeth and whip their hair at the wall and crush the wall down. I mean, they don't do those things. You know, it's just like, guys, let's put away, like, because I, I, I hear that sometimes when I come here, and I'm like, I just feel ashamed of myself. I'm like, try to be strong around that, Mr. CrossFit. I'm making it funny. But. Do you know what I'm saying, men? It's like we don't need to growl and be the toughest guys in the world. We need to be masculine men, but we also can tell people, hey, the real deal in my life. So, guys, let's just trash every mask we put on ourselves. The mask of independence, the mask of pride, the mask that I don't need my brothers in my life. And say, yes, I need brothers in my life. This insecurity stuff is trash. Then go four hours on it. Lord, I ask forgiveness for insecurity. I receive forgiveness for insecurity. I replace it, or I rebuke insecurity, and I replace it that I am secure and accepted by Jesus Christ. 
five minutes of the wildest rodeo ride we've ever done before on insecurity. Let's go for it. Girls with girls, guys with guys. And then we'll move on. You are crushing it. You are crushing it. Keep crushing it. Okay, we're getting close. I see someone standing on a chair. I love that. Let's get rid of that. Insecurity is done. Every mask is busted off our faces. We're going to be transparent, vulnerable, open, joyful. It's time for us to have fun again. Fun is what we're about. Three weeks in to find fragrance. You guys look great. Okay, find your chair. Find your chair. Okay, let me explain this to you. Is This is a bonus round. Turn to someone next to you and say, bonus. All right, I want to make something super simple for you. How many of you have ever, how many of us come from evangelical backgrounds in this room? Oh, yeah, my brothers, my sisters. I'm a Lutheran. Don't condemn me. My church was hot. But then I moved to a Baptist church. My church was hot. But then my mom said I was too crazy, and she said, you need to go to a charismatic church. And so she sent me <laughs> to a four-square church. And, whoa, it was awesome. So awesome. A lot of heroes of mine were there. And then uh, it was in that season that I found Christy, who was going to a Baptist church. I was going to a charismatic church. And we basically are in love with the church. So we, we love everybody. We work with all the different churches. And, but depending on our backgrounds sometimes, what we've come out of, more evangelical backgrounds, more charismatic backgrounds, sometimes this subject gets described in such a messed up way that we can't get our arms around it. Can we just do five minutes and let me explain to you what a generational curse is? You ever heard that? It's really simple. It's super simple. I want you to think about the life of David. Say, I'm going to think about David. When you think about the kings in the Old Testament, did the kings have sexual problems? I think 1,100 wives for Solomon is a little bit front page newspaper stuff today, wouldn't it be? Hey, your king has 1,100 wives front page. But what was the opening thing? The way that generational things work is there's an opening moment in the generation that opens the door to the enemy. And what would that have been in the story of David? Bathsheba. And through that relationship, although God forgave it and Solomon came and it was done, but there was, there was a value system. Don't think demons for a minute. Think values. There was a value system that entered in. Remember strongholds? A value system that entered into the generations, and then we see it repeated king after king after king. We saw that there was not purity in the land. Let's do one more. Do, did, do you guys remember Jacob and Esau, right, in the Old Testament? And Jacob was kind of, his name meant, he was like a con man. He was a twister of the truth. And so as he was twisting the truth, he got his birthright, right, he, that wasn't really his. Remember that story? He, he, he tricked his brother, he tricked his father, and he gets that. And then what we see after Jacob is, in each generation, there's a pattern of, of twisting of the truth, there's a pattern of favoritism, and those things, do you think Joseph's favoritism, yes, 
got a lot of people, and it was hard on him. His brothers hated him. He had a challenge and difficulty. What, what I'm saying on this is you see this pattern repeated. Something in generations enters in, and then a value system, a stronghold, lands on that family line. And it takes that family to stand up and say, this pattern is over for my family, for my children, for my future marriage, for my future kids' marriage. As of today, Lord, will you forgive and close the door for how the enemy has wanted to do this in our family? You can see that some families come out of divorced backgrounds, but then when you do their family tree, you see divorce here, divorce here, broken relationships. Have you seen this? Or maybe you come out of, there's addiction in that family tree. It's over here, it's over here, it's over here. Sometimes there can be roots of bitterness. Bitterness here, bitterness there, bitterness there. What you want to do as a young person is be like Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we are closing the door on every generational pattern, shadow, that will not pass down. Have you ever found yourself, even at your young age, you're so young. I mean, all you guys are so young, so handsome, so amazingly gorgeous in heart. And you found yourself almost early in this, your life going, man, there are some things I'm doing that our family line used to do. And I don't want to do that. I want to start new. I don't know if you've ever come out. I know for me, you, you sometimes can see someone come out of a very critical family. And you can view yourself study or, or struggle with criticism. You're like, man, that pattern's got to end. This has got to end. I want my dinner table to be filled with positive, the love of God, worship, praise, gratitude. I don't want to go 25 years with my wife nitpicking people while we're having Chef Boyardee at the table, right? We want to have a different environment. How many of us would say that there, I use the term generational shadow. Like there's a shadow that's tr that wants to exert it's, it's, it's effect on your life and say, nope, you're not quite free of that. You are going to live in the shadow of that and keep on living in that. How many of us would say it would be awesome to cut that down by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, eyes wide open and say, Lord, I see some patterns and I want them gone. I don't want those in my life. Does anyone have anyone in their generational pattern or life that has a violent temper? It's amazing how those all of a sudden you get married, you have a kid, and you're like, man, why does Junior have a violent temper? Because that generational shadow is trying to pass down. That's why as a young person, you're the best moment right now before any of that happens to take the chopper, Jesus Christ, and chop that chain and say, we're starting fresh. Have you ever been around in your generation, maybe a marriage, they're, they're still together but they're missing the intimacy. They're missing the friendship. It's like they're living together, but they're, li they're missing the pizzazz and the joy. You want to have a marriage that's totally different. Is this making sense to you? And for me then, when Christy and I got married, one of the things we decided, and really people ask me, how did your four kids turn out like they did? Of course, the grace of God, sovereignty of God. But the third reason is we always we went after God and said, we want to start new. We want to start new. We don't want to carry in anything from the past generations. We want new kids that have new hearts for you, Jesus. Now, for our background, one of the biggest things we had to come out of was fear. 
That was a big part of our generations. Would someone raise a hand if they have a pattern in your generations that you're like, I want to nuke this thing. I see the back hand, very, very back, right corner. Did you have your hand up? Yeah, shout it out. Fear, okay. We relate to that over here. Fear of finance. You see it in your family line? And it, does it grip people? And when it grips them, what do they do? They get panicked or shut down? I see. They turn to themselves for the answers. That's, a, that's insightful. Anybody over here? Oh, right here. Jealousy. Like division. And bitterness and hatred. And you've seen that among family members. And, and the jealousy you're describing, is it just, is it something that, how old were you, did you when you picked that up? You start seeing the pattern. And, and when you've seen that pattern, have you said, have you had moments in your own life where you've had to fight that pattern from trying to take a hold of you? That's amazing that you're already able to see it, know what your battle is. That's pretty insightful. I mean, how old are you? Do you mind me asking? Man, that is amazing. 21. That's incredible. I wish when I was your age, I would have had that insight. That's incredible. Okay, over here. Someone had a hand up? Right over here. Addiction and divorce. And is it drug addiction? Is it all kinds of addictions? Alcohol, you said? And then divorce, is it all everywhere or some? Are all divorced? And, and when you think about it, what do you think is the root reason that divorce entered in. Yes. A lack of surrender to Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay, so when we pray in a minute, I, I know you probably prayed about this, but let's just go after that because you have authority in Jesus' name to start this thing fresh. You don't need to fear it because your authority in Christ is so great. And uh, divorce is not going to mark your life. Div that is not going to mark your life. You're going to be fully surrendered. We already know that. But you're just saying, enemy, it's over. That pattern is done for my life. Anybody here on this side? Okay. Okay, well, you're sitting in the front row, so you're taking a lot of, you've, you've taken a lot of ground. That's what I was saying, right? So that's amazing. Okay, so. And do you see that everywhere, or what's, what's, how, what's happening? And, and you're the rare kind of the, 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 the David guy that kind of busts out of it. Yeah, all credit to Jesus. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, in the back? Sure. Okay. Does anyone else relate to that testimony for family complacency? Look, look. 
Look, look at this. This is big. Let's crush this thing. You guys want to crush this thing? Because we don't want to return from DTS and have any complacency in our lives. We want to just take everything that we have and go for it. Is there one more person that wants to share? Right here in the front. Rejection. How do you see that playing out in your family? Fear of being vulnerable. Okay. And that's done. That rejection pattern shuts down people from being transparent, open, and vulnerable. So we have def definitely a couple of things. There's a guy right back here, dark hair. Is that, was your hand up? Maybe it wasn't. Yeah. Sure. I don't have my glasses on. Hold on. Just a second. Let me make, oh, look at that. Where's my glasses? Everyone three yards out is a blur. Okay, I'm not, I'm not bummed that I didn't, wasn't able to see you and all that. Now I can see you. So you're, you're gorgeous and uh, pretty awesome. We don't want to get awkward. Okay, so uh, uh, it was like a blur. Okay, I don't, okay so now start over because I kind of lost the track with my lack of glasses in that embarrassing moment. Uh, pull me back in. What's going on in your generations? I see. And how do you see that? Is it like everywhere or what is, do they fight? Do they fight? Okay. Yes. Okay, so why don't we all just go for a big monster prayer moment? Can we do that? Just say, God, we want to we cut this off right now in Jesus' name. Is everybody in the mood for that? Let's go for it. I'm going to pull this up. <clears throat> Let's do this. Let's start fresh. And really, we're doing this by faith, aren't we? We're doing this by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. We're saying, God, would you end this in our lives? Okay, now, when you're praying this, all I need you to do is have faith in Jesus doing the work. That if you will say this out loud, there's going to be a transaction at the cross. Okay? So by you saying this out loud, you're saying, God, these patterns are done for my generation. Now, some of you will not relate to every one of these. But would you pray it out by faith anyway so that those that do relate to it don't have to pray by themselves? Okay? Pray this. Let's all just pray on our own that it's time for our generations to hit the reset button. Can we do that? Lord, we just pray, Lord, right now that our generations would hit the reset button. We're asking, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? Would you come and do more than our prayers? Would you come and do more than what we can do? We're asking for a miracle today that everything that we can't fully even understand would end today, God, and we would know freedom like we've not known freedom ever before in our lives. We're asking this for our families, our siblings. We're praying for our children, our wives, our husbands, our futures, God. Jesus Christ, would you come and break the chains? Holy Spirit, come. Come to our minds. We believe in the cross and that the cross has paid the price. And as we say simple words, 
The cross is going to wipe them out. And every demonic attack on our families in the future is going to get wiped out in Jesus' name. We're praying for that, Lord. Cleanse our future in Jesus' name. So we're going to four others. Lord Jesus, I ask forgiveness for the following sins that have plagued my generations. All passivity. Withholding of words. Parents to children. Withholding of affection. Every form of backsliding into sin. Hesitation to obey God. Forgive all that junk. We want to start fresh. With wild and radical initiation, Jesus. Lord, forgive our generations for the love of money and possessions, for more concern over our physical comfort than godliness, for more concern with ourself and our position than our own children. That's, that's junk. And we're done with that value system. Lord, forgive our generations for any way they saw children as a burden and not a great honor. Okay, now we're going to the next one. Lord, forgive my generations for anger, verbal and physical abuse, fits of rage, even sarcasm, withdrawing. That they were angry and they would just withdraw. They were angry and they would withdraw. That, pattern is over. that pattern is over. Blaming and finding fault in others is done. Okay, we're going to go to the next one. All patterns of unbelief. All patterns of unbelief. Distrusting God is done. Ignoring what God is saying completely. We're sorry for that, Lord. And that's done. And that's done. For, daily anxiety. For daily anxiety. Because we didn't trust you. Trust you. Is, over is over today. A fear of not being provided for. Is over today. Two more, guys. Two more. Forgive our generations. For insignificance. For self-hatred. For destroying our own bodies. For patterns of abandoning people. And for all suicide. Suicide is done. In the name of Jesus, we all will live. We will live. A culture of death is done. Every curse of death. It's broken. broken. Last area. Lord, forgive our generations. generations. For divorce. For For critical hearts. hearts. All areas of adultery. adultery. Sexual immorality. immorality. Drug addiction. addiction. 
Alcoholism. Even for some involving themselves in the occult. Forgive our generations for agreeing with occultic junk. Even if it was just one person. Forgive it. We're done. We disagree with it. We want nothing to do with it. We want Jesus and Jesus alone. And finally, Lord, forgive our generations. For having hearts that were like murder. The Bible says that we call our brother a fool. We're guilty of heart murder. For all those horrible things that have been said. We don't agree with them. We break those curses. Spoken over our own family. By our own family. Every brother and sister is free. My mom and dad are free. I pray for my relatives. Set them free. End this in Jesus' name. Save every prodigal. Save them, Jesus. Save my brothers and sisters. We light them with the torch of the Holy Spirit. And we are washed in the blood. Forgiven of all these sins. They will not repeat. They are part of our past. They have no power. They're wiped away. In the name of Jesus, we take authority. Over every generational curse. Every generational curse. I want you to say break three times as loud as you can on the count of three, okay? We're going old school. I'm telling you, we're going to break some chains that are going to be broken. And we're going to be different. And we're going to be different. And we're going to be different. And our marriages are going to be different. And our dating is going to be different. And our courting is going to be different. Our engagement is going to be different. Our honeymoon is going to be different. Having kids is going to be different. Our churches are going to be different. Things are going to be different. This junk is done and down the drain. We're putting spiritual drain on it, the blood of Jesus Christ, and we're wide open. We're going to start hearing prophetically more clearly. We're going to start reading the Bible with more clarity. We're going to have less fuzz on our camera, so to speak. We're going to be seeing and hearing and walking in great clarity in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. So let's go after this. Three times, break, break, break in the name of Jesus. These chains are broken. And I want you to just go 30 seconds. We'll start with break, break, break. And then after that, 30 seconds of your own wild rodeo prayer. That this, this is done. This is done for your generations, including sickness, too. Whack on that a little bit. Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. Break, break, break. In the name of Jesus Christ, we break all sickness. We break all depression. We break all sadness, all sorrow, all heaviness, all confusion. You must leave us in the name of Jesus. All mystery diseases, autoimmune diseases be broken in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, 
for all poverty to end in the name of Jesus. Would you open the floodgates of your provision in the name of Jesus? Open the floodgates of every form of your open heavens over our lives, our relationships, our ministries, our futures. Open the heavens and pour out a blessing. Pour out a radical blessing. Pour out a radical blessing. A radical blessing. A blessing. A blessing on this family. Check this out. Second Chronicles 714. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, which is what you just did, and pray, which is what you just did, and seek my face, which you just did, and turn from their wicked ways. You were in this instance saying our generation's junk is done. Then, the Bible says, will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. God, we thank you that our futures have so much healing in them, restoration, where properties or houses or actual things that were places of inheritance have been robbed from our families. We are restaking our claim in Jesus' name on those blessings, God, even things that are innovations, God, inventions, Lord, things that are so out of the box, music, Jesus, ex exploits in media, films. We're taking that back in the name of Jesus. Everything that was robbed from us, getting uh, children that would go into even specialized training or degree programs in the future that would be fully scholarship. We pray, Lord, we take back that ground in Jesus' name, Lord. We take back the ground of friendship with our spouses, best friends for life in Jesus' name, God. Lord, we take it back where our voices have been silenced. This generation's voices will no longer be silent. We will speak the word of the Lord. We pray for finances on our traveling, finances when we go to the nations. Lord, where others have tried to live in the nations, Lord, for those who have called there, we will live there, and you will provide, and it will be by faith. We're asking for a massive blessing on our physical health, where there's been autoimmune attack, where there's been mystery disease attack, where there's been chronic things like asthma from childhood. We ask your healing would shower this fire and fragrance tent, Lord. We can't fake it. We can't trump it up. We ask that your Holy Spirit would just invade in the name of Jesus Christ. Where we've been agitated, there's no more agitation. There'd be peace. We pray for our dreams. No night terrors, bad dreams, repeated dreams. Those dreams are rebuked and gone for good in Jesus' name. Peace, 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 peace over everyone in fire and fragrance. And we thank you for your blessing. It's not just for us, but it's for a thousand generations. And we walk in it with faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Have a seat. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. You guys went for broke. Let's close it up and turn it over to our unbelievable host. Who knows who it is this today. Did you guys have fun this week? I had so much fun. Honestly, this was like a we, I felt like we went old school freedom. Just like, you know, rolled up our sleeves. I think this is the world record for strongholds to be attacked in one week. Uh, see, we did fear the first day, passivity. Oh, we just totally kicked their butt. And then the next day, we went, we went like hardcore heavy. Bitterness, resentment, anger. We forgave everyone in our lives. Shame was a little bonus. Batman took care of it the first 
week. We went a little bit more. By the way, it's not Batman. He's Bruce Wayne. I'm so sorry to give his secret identity away. Sonno texted me. He is Bruce Wayne. Um, and just want to clarify that. We went after other strongholds, right? Insecurity. We just went for baby, baby just punches on those things, but they were blows. We took a real blow on self-hatred, body image. We nuked those things. A little bit more work today on what else did we do today? Condemnation. So you got free of like 15 different mindsets and just crushed them. You might be a little tired this weekend. You might need to find your beach chair with some sunspray and just literally sit there and marinate and go like, I feel a little bit almost like my brain feels like it needs like a manicure. Because that's what you did is you'd attack things with such joy every single day and got free of so many things. And it's going to pay off. You're going to start seeing that payoff in the weeks and months to come and years to come because you know how to live free. I can't wait till you teach freedom. You guys are going to be the best salvation counter teachers. The clean house, the clean breakup, shred it with four, four R's. Ladies just tearing it apart, going just brave level bonanza. Getting women that are self-focused, outward focused. Getting women that don't love themselves to love not only themselves but others. You guys are going to create so many leaders wherever you're going to go. Do you believe that? I do. I know it's a fact. Men, so honor you guys. It's been so fun to just go after this. You guys just punch everything that moves. You truly are freedom fighters. I wish there were more strongholds we could find just for you, but we can't. We're done. So the final thing, I just want to encourage everybody in this room is I just thought we'd spend a few minutes and just crystallize our hearts on the subject of faith. Can we do that? And then we'll drive home. Well, at least I'll fly home. And you guys will stay here in this awesome place called Kona. What a great place to have a school. Thank you, God, that you told Lauren Cunningham to come here. Would have been a real bummer. You know, really, it wouldn't have been a bummer to go somewhere else. Like, really, like, I don't know, North Dakota, like in a crazy little barn area. Hey, I know I said it. You meet me, meet me after the class. I'll, I'll repent. Um, walk me through the four hours. All right. But we see that in the Bible, the Bible, and, and, and you guys know this, you know this, but in the Bible, faith comes up over and over, doesn't it? Faith comes up over and over again. And it's the source of our faith that gives us faith. It's not you and I trumping it up in our minds like, have more faith, looking at Jesus and knowing that Jesus can do it. And when we see in the Bible, I love all these healings. I just want to read a couple of verses. Then he touched their eyes saying, it shall be done to you according to your faith. That's in Matthew 9. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, took hold of him and said to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? So when people had little faith, he'd mention it. When they had great faith, he would mention it. And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. So faith is important, isn't it? He said in Luke 7, 50, he said, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Say faith. He said to another, where is your faith? And they were fearful and amazed, saying to another, who is this? He can command the winds, and they'll even stop. It's amazing, in 2009, when I came here from Tacoma, Washington, I stayed in a condo up there, and I was so excited to go to the nations. I was pumped. I bet you guys are pumped to get to the nations. I feel your joy. I feel your excitement. I bet you wish it was week 12, kind of, but you're waiting. Can't wait to get in that van, that plane, and just, just, just go for God. That's how I felt. I was in the Northwest for 
really my pretty much I was in business there then 15 years of ministry roughly and then I, I, I finally felt like it was time and I met with Reinhard Bonnke and he said it was time and I got to come to YWAM Kona and I got to be here and that's where Andy and I became close friends and I went into Fire and Fragrance one day and I'd been on a fast for about six months just in the day I'd eat at night and I was studying faith can you believe that for six months and I didn't know I was getting set up and I Every one of my friends from around the world would call me and say, Brian, we're praying for you, and we always see you surrounded by a cloud. And I was like, oh, you know, what is the cloud? And grandmas would call, and they said, it's unbelief. God's trying to get you to believe for something, and, he, and you're not hearing him. Kind of discouraging, honestly. I'd go down to the beach, sit by myself, read all the verses on faith, firm them, memorize them. Then three days later, another 85-year-old mentor of mine would call, had a dream. You were in your condo, and you couldn't see anywhere. There were so many clouds. You need to get rid of your unbelief. Okay. So, you know, I was doing all the repentance, the four hours. I repented of unbelief of, like, everything, like, I could think of. God, forgive me for not believing that, like, the fire and fragrance tent could turn into, like, they didn't have a tent then, but could turn into a spaceship and fly to Mars, you know, just anything I could think of. But I wasn't getting what God was saying, and, and it finally, towards the end of that time, the Lord began to really speak to my heart. He said, do you believe that I can heal the sick? Do you believe I can cast out demons? Do you believe I can save the masses in fields? And I said, yeah, I do believe, Lord. I believe that you can do that in the nations. And, and there was a silence after that. And then about a month later, a Amy Ward now had that circuit rider encounter where she was sleeping. She saw a colonial angel come to her in the middle of the night and say, it's time to release the circuit riders again across America. And I remember when she told me I was in Ohana Court, and it was a moment of faith. I was like, I don't even know who the circuit riders are. I never knew about the Methodists or the circuit riders, guys on horseback. And I remember Andy and I began to read about it, and we did our first school called the School of the Circuit Rider right here in Ohana Court. There were 300 kids. And I remember at the end of that time, I was like, man, this is so awesome. Lou was here. It was so fun. Just imagine your room this room. It was just this wildness. And God began to speak to me, and it was my birthday. And I was like, man, don't you, anyone on a birthday love to get a little prophetic touch-up? You know, somebody stop by with a little, like, you know, the old hug word. Man, God loves you. This year's going to be the best year of your life. So on my birthday, we lost, we had to move out of our condo. Someone was moving in, and so we are moving on my birthday, and I was feeling sorry for myself. You know, a little of the Jonah routine. You know, sitting under the little deal, just kind of feeling bummed. And Christy comes in, and she goes, I was praying for you last night, and the Lord says we're going to move suddenly. It won't be peaceable, and it's coming almost immediately. We're going back to America. I went, oh, what? And she goes, and the confirmation will be 200 circuit riders are going to come up to you and say, you're moving to California, and we want you to come with us, and we want to come with you. So I went down that day to the circuit riders, like the last week, Everyone had had dreams to go to Thailand, Cambodia. So then I was like, this is a bogus word because every ki student wants to go to the nations. I'm totally safe. That night, the entire school had dreams of California. It was just, it wasn't just one. It wasn't just ten. It was entire sections, hands up, going to the mic. I saw us in Southern California. We went across the nation, universities. And so then I go, okay, I'm still safe. I was kind of guarded, like, I don't want to really go and do it. But suddenly, one person after another came up. It was more than 200 said, will you come with us? 
So I went up to the condo, found Christine and, and Christy, and I said, babe, it happened. Just like you said, we're moving. We're leaving. We're moving in one week. I went and saw Lauren and Darlene. I said, I can't explain this. It's the YWAM deal. We're moving to California. I'm not exactly sure. Somewhere in Southern California. We lived in 13 different garages, basements, attics, above garages. And we had $1,200 to $1,500 of support. We had to sell one of our cars to finally get the garage house, kind of the famous garage house where we make music now. It's really a cool house, kind of. The record number of kids that have stayed in the garage house is 41. Uh, can you imagine that being fun? I've sat in my bathtub before crying um, because of you. Um, <laughs> it's true. I sat in there. I just wept. And I said, God, I just can't see him anymore. I need to be alone. Rapture me now. And <laughs> I would go downstairs. There was, like, so many suitcases everywhere, people upstairs knocking on our door. We'd sleep at night. It was always a knock, like, every five minutes. Had a bad dream. Will you pray, prophesy? Something was going on. But out of that, we started going to the first university, USC. And at USC was a, a prophecy. That's where it would start for us. And we did a field evangelism event, and it blew up. A thousand kids came. A couple hundred kids got saved. And Christy and her Lyme's disease, I said, babe, by faith, go up to the mic and pray for the sick. And literally that night, every sick person was radically instantly healed. We had a woman coming out of a parking lot on the campus, not even part of the event, with a broken leg. Her leg got instantly healed, and she tore her cast off. I mean, this is America. And that's what God was dealing with me for six months on. He said, I can fill stadiums in America. That was finally what I realized, and I didn't believe it. I could believe for Nigeria. I could believe even for London, but I couldn't believe for America. And God met me with faith in a condo in Kona, Hawaii, to believe the Lord. And now we're on our way to 300 campuses. It's so wild to get the reports. Our teams are laughing, right, staying with the Doug Dynasty family to, to you never, it's just craziness. I mean, we had a deal the other day where a couple of the circuit riders got two free cars from two host homes, and they ran into each other. No, our circuit riders did in the car. They only had it for like five minutes. Somehow pulled out of the driveway, decided to go straight into each other, right in front of the house is what I was heard. The owners come out like, we just loaned you the car, and you totaled one of them or something. This is the kind of wildness that happens in the middle of all the glory. And I'm just like, God, another call, like, our car is missing tires. Uh, we're getting chased. Well, you know, it's wildness. We have 13 vans blazing across the country. I never imagined all this was going to come, and now we're all going to meet in Orlando, Florida. And stadiums are going to start getting filled in the United States of America. And we're going to see a huge uprising and young people coming to the mission field to join what you've pioneered. And I say that to say is we can never be above another lesson of faith. We can never be above like I thought, man, after all those years of a move of God in Tacoma, writing all that material, that I was going to kind of slide into the glory years. But God was like, you still don't believe me. I want, you're going to be the one now raising the money. Oh, what? You're going to be the one now when no one comes to the stadium. Everyone's going to know that your stadium didn't go good. Me? Yes, you. You're the one that's going to have to believe me. And I want you to know that God's about ready to take me into another story of faith that I'm really nervous about because I think we're going to start doing multiple stadiums on the same nights in nations. And it's going to get so crazy this harvest season 
that we're going to all be freaking out. So can I encourage you, like, this is a friendship. I'm a dad. I'm kind of like, you guys are at my house. We just had a bunch of ice cream. I'm like, hey, this is what's really going on. You know what I'm saying? It's like it goes a little deeper than just the speaker talking to you about the latest upgrade in your life. This is about family, fire and fragrance. This is a fraternity sorority that we walk in year after year. Would you walk in great faith? Would you let God tell you the impossible things for your generation? Because I know he's going to while you're here and when you're on your outreach. And they're far greater than anything I could imagine. And I just want to pray a closing prayer that I just love you guys and proud of you. I know in faith, I've seen it. Out of this room are going to come some of the greatest leaders. So you guys are going to excel in so many areas. I'm just going to be bawling, hearing the stories. I, I watch what you guys do, and somebody sends me a picture, and I just sit. The, the recent prison one with Josh Lastra, did you see that one, the guys in the orange suits? You know, Josh is a real close friend of mine, and he came out of a rough background. And this summer I called him. I said, man, my backyard's bald. I have a German shepherd. He's killing me. He pees everywhere. He's killed my yard. What do I do? He goes, I know how to put in turf. I'll be over in four hours. He comes over with a huge truck of turf. And in one day, like 18 hours, he redid my backyard with a smile on his face, hugged me about every three hours, told me I was amazing, the coolest guy in the world, then went back to work. He has the most awesome girlfriend, Allie. These guys are like movie, movie stars in my mind. Big old guy, just so strong, tatted up, so wise, so awesome. But these are the pictures I get, and I don't get them and look like an Instagram moment. I start bawling. I'm like, oh, man, dang it. Dang it. You did it. You did it, Josh. You're in a prison. And I just, I'm just ruined. That's what I'm talking about to you. It's about family. It's about friendship. When you're out there, just know that you're going to bring a lot of joy, not just to me, but to thousands of people that are going to see and believe what they have prayed for is coming true. Thank you for coming to Kona, giving up your youth to say yes to Jesus Christ. None of you are going to be normal. None of you are going to be common. None of you are going to backslide back into whiskey and date that crazy girl with the crazy eyes and that looks at you and you're like, I don't know if that's God. It's not, obviously not God. <laughs> Get your Proverbs 31 on. You need that woman who's going to tell you this is the way of the Lord. Let's go. The most beautiful woman is a woman with a heart like Jesus Christ. And when you touch that heart, men, you'll get so crazy in love that you'll do things that you can't imagine. You'll write notes to her on leaves. <laughs> you will come up with poetry. That, and you will just write it on your hand and just go, here it is. And it'll just, it just says, my son Spencer, three, year, three weeks into this dating of this godly woman, she, re, she writes a song every day out of the Psalms. He came home the other night, just shell-shocked, already made those albums. He goes, Dad, I don't even know God. I go, <laughs> bro, I don't know what to tell you, man. Sit down. Let's talk about it. He goes, man, I've never read the Psalms and wrote a song. I don't know God. <laughs> I go, bro, <laughs> all I can think about is we better get something to eat, man. This is a heavy burden, man. Let's get some cheeseburgers. It's like midnight. We've been found some cheeseburgers. Sat down and go, just keep telling me what's going on. He goes, I, I feel like I'm a man of God, but I'm a boy of God. <laughs> I, I need an upgrade. I go, let's get some fries, bro. 
Because all we can do is eat. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. It goes beyond words. What are you going to do about it? He goes, man, I don't know what to do. I'm going to fake it till I make it. I'm going to read night and day and try to catch up. And it was just awesome, you know. It's just so awesome, man, when you touch that heart of a champion woman and you just drive home and you're like, dang, I don't even know if I know God. I just met someone who knows God. And it's just such an awesome challenge. It's not that Spencer doesn't know God. He knows God so good. But he just was humbled by seeing the bright, shining star of a Proverbs 31 woman. Men, go get yours in the right time. Lord, I bless this room. May they be so blessed with joy this quarter. Oh, God, may they be filled and consumed with encounters. May you open the heavens when they read the Bible. Will you open the heavens over every lecture? Anyone here that has an area that they just want someone to pray for, would you, would you set them up when Michael Koulianis comes, when Todd comes, when someone comes? Set up the moments, Lord, with Amy. Set up the magic moments where, like, on the pathway, the thing they've always dreamed someone would pray for. Just, Lord, set up cafeteria ex- ex- moments, literally moments where things change for us. Lord, would you fill up them with friendships where they have longed to not be alone? Would you give guys real brothers, real fraternity brothers that will be in each other's weddings and be there when kids are born and be there when troubles come? Lord, would you do that for the ladies? Would you form real sisterhoods? I'm no longer just an outreach team, but these are sisters on a journey to change the world for decade after decade after decade. Lord, would you bless them, Lord? Would you bless them with all the finances for their outreaches? May it come in way ahead, not last minute, but way ahead. May they march in such unity into Peru that it would inspire us to do it all over the world. Thank you for this full running fire and fragrance. May they have the kiss of God on their foreheads all the days of their life, knowing that they are cherished, favored, and loved. And, Lord, for my generation, we're going to cheer them on. We're going to make a way for them, get out of their way, and say, go do it in Jesus' name. Thanks for the most amazing, amazing week, team. We'll see you later. I have one last thing. We, I only brought 10 freedom manuals and 10 Big Ten books. If you want one of them, they're 10 bucks. I don't have PayPal and all that junk. Just write me an IOU, whatever. I don't care about money. Just, just get rid of the books. If you do want one and you don't have money, just smile and take it, and I'll go like, I love you. It just doesn't matter. I just brought a few because of the bags. I'll see you guys next quarter, maybe when you're back. I don't know. We'll see what goes on. All right. Can we have our guest host come up? The host with the most. <laughs>